Roman Emperor Domitian exiled John the Apostle to the Isle of Patmos. Jesus appeared to John in a vision. John recorded that vision. It's the book of Revelation. Jesus revealed to John the condition of each of the seven major churches in the Roman province of Asia. About Ephesus, the city where John was living when he was exiled, Jesus gave a strong warning to repent and return to their first love. To grasp the significance of this warning in our lives, we need to better understand the lives of the Christians at Ephesus. Where the Kastros River flows into the Mediterranean Sea, on the southwest corner of modern-day Turkey, there was a dark, demonic city, proudly famous of its occult practices, Ephesus, home to the cult of Artemis, also known as Diana. Ephesus was home to 250,000 people, second in size only to Rome in the entire Roman Empire. For over a thousand years, worship of Artemis had grown in Ephesus. Artemis was the goddess of fertility and of nature. Pilgrims came from all over the known world to be blessed by Artemis with the ability to conceive children, among other things. People of Ephesus were possessive of their goddess. The people of the city financed the building of an elaborate temple which was completed in 323 B.C. The temple was declared one of the seven wonders of the world. Easton's Bible Dictionary says it was the work of 220 years. Built of shining marble, 342 feet long by 164 feet broad, supported by a forest of columns, each 56 feet high, a sacred museum of masterpieces of sculpture and painting. At the center, hidden by curtains, within a gorgeous shrine should the very ancient image of the goddess, on wood or ebony, reputed to have fallen from the sky. Behind the shrine was a treasury where, as in the safest banks of Asia, nations and kings stored the most precious things. The temple was not only a shrine to Artemis, it was a cultural museum and a bank, an important part of the commerce of Ephesus. The temple was staffed with priests, virgins, and boys who made sacrifices and carried out worship to the goddess. Sacrifices of food, incense, libations, and occasional animal sacrifices were made to Artemis. The economy of the whole city was wrapped up in this cult of demon worship, providing food, lodging, idols, and anything else needed by the crowds of people who came to the city was big business. Emphasis, the capital of the Roman province of Asia, the second largest city in the empire, and a place visited by thousands of pilgrims who came to the temple of Artemis every year, was a strategic place to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul went there and planted the church at Ephesus. He left for a short time and then came back and stayed there for over two years. Years later, the Apostle John moved there after he left Jerusalem. It was not easy being a Christian in Ephesus. Imagine living in a city whose whole economy, whose culture, and the greatest source of pride, the Temple of Artemis, declared one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, were all built around demon worship. Everyday life would be a struggle once people knew you were a Christian. They may not hire you, sell to you in the market, or do business with you. They may not want you in their neighborhood. We see that the opposition was strong and violent in Acts 19, as the silversmith Demetrius, who made statues of Artemis, stirred up a riot just talking about Paul and what Christians believed. Rejected by family and friends, you would be seen as one who betrayed your culture, your city, and everything they stood for. What do you think about the Ephesian Christians now? It took courage to be an Ephesian Christian, and you would pay a price, financially and relationally. When I hear stories of persecuted Christians in communist nations or anywhere in the world, I see them as heroes of the faith. 
But what did Jesus say to these courageous Christians? Revelations 2, verses 2 to 6 in the NIV. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. This is an extraordinary passage of Scripture. Jesus said he saw their deeds, the hard work of the Ephesians. The church at Ephesus had persevered. They clung to correct doctrine and rejected false teachers and false leaders. They hated wickedness and wouldn't tolerate it in the church. They endured hardship for Jesus' name, persecuted by the culture. They didn't get worn out, and they didn't quit. Many Christians today would consider a biblically sound church that carefully guarded Scripture, persevered through persecution and hardship, and had good leadership, a good church. But truth is not enough. Right doctrine, right believing is not enough. Righteousness, right living is not enough. Jesus' next words to us are a wake-up call. Revelation 2, 4-5 in the NIV says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 1 Corinthians 13 is the core of Jesus' message to the righteous Ephesians. Without love, even truth, even righteousness is not enough. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 in the Amplified Bible says, And now there remain faith, abiding trust in God and His promises, hope, confident expectation of external salvation, love, unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. These three but the greatest of these is love. God has always required us to pursue truth and love. Faith and hope are based on the truth of Jesus and the word of God, but the greatest of these is love. Without love, Jesus would return to this church and remove its lampstand, its light, its influence to the dark, demon-worshipping city of Ephesus. Love and truth make us the light of the world. Without love, we lose our light. Without love, We cannot represent Jesus well. Come back to your first love. Do you remember the love you had for Jesus and for God when you were first born again? Oh, I do. The first six weeks I were a Christian was like a honeymoon. I heard God so clearly and I felt so loved. I felt so free after I repented of my sins. It was wonderful. What is first love? 1 John 4.10 in the NIV says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.19, the NIV, we love because he first loved us. First love is experiencing, feeling the love God has for you. First love is God's love for you that will manifest in your life as love for yourself and for others. Let's pray. I pray you will once again experience God's love for you, his first love, so new, refreshing, restoring, healing every part of your soul and body. I pray you will be filled with the love of God and you will turn around and run into his loving arms. He's waiting, arms open wide, for you to know how much he loves you. In Jesus' name.
Jesus told the Ephesian Christians to repent and return to their first love. Then he said, consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Revelation 2.5 Today's activation. Return to the works you did at first. When I was first born again, I felt closest to God when helping others. I volunteered at a homeless shelter and just loved people there any way I could. As I encountered people whose need for love far exceeded my ability to love at that time, God poured his love through me. Then I joined a prison ministry at the county jail. I'd been a criminal defense lawyer for several years and felt comfortable talking to people in jail. I experienced God's love for them in a new, indescribable way as I tried to love and help those behind bars. Scripture tells us that in loving others, the love of God will be made complete in us. 1 John 4.12 in the NIV. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Different translations say God's love is made perfect or perfected in us, made complete in us, or comes to full expression in us. What are the works of your first love? What did you do that most connected your heart to God when you experienced the first love of God? Now, go do some of those things today and every day. It really is in loving others that God's love is made complete in us. If you enjoyed this video, please subscribe. Thank you for listening, and thank you for doing the activation to let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Romans 12.2, New Living Translation. Until next time, God bless.